And uh, we thank our God for what he's about to do in beginning. Thank you. Whew, take a breath. Hey, um, this morning I'm going to preach, I'm going to continue in the book of Daniel. I started there two weeks ago and continue looking at the book of Daniel. So we'll go there in a minute. But just, Diane, it's your last Sunday I hear. I hear you moving away and leaving us. Oh, don't be too excited. We're going to miss you, Diane. I'm going to miss having you right there behind me in that back front row. So we might, at the end of the service, Di, we might just pray for you at the end, okay? And you go blessed from this place and um, come back and visit us sometime, hey? Very good. All right, we're going to the book of Daniel. We're going to Daniel chapter 6. And this morning, the message is called The Lion Whisperer. And I'm not going to break out into a little bit of Lion King music. A little bit. Oh, you've got the lion on the front row. Look at that. Your insight, you got prepared. We're looking at Daniel chapter 6. And uh, let's start. Let's get in there because we've got food out in the foyer. And uh, Daniel 6 verse 3 says this. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way that Daniel was handling government affairs. But they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible and completely trustworthy. Who wishes they had an employee that they could describe in that way? So the administrators and high officers went to the king and they said, Long live King Darius. We are all in agreement, we administrators, officials, high officers, advisors and governors, that the king should make a law that will strictly be enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. And now, your majesty, issue and sign this law so it cannot be changed. An official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. So King Darius signs the law. Once again, we see that Daniel is a standout in what he does. It says that Daniel, you've got to remember this, he's a Jewish man, a Hebrew man, and he's in a foreign kingdom, working for a foreign government, a government that does not believe in God, a government does not worship God, but he is a person who worships God, and he's serving in the king's court, and it says he is a standout at what he does. He's a head and shoulders above the rest because of his ability in what he does. They cannot find fault with him. He's got integrity, he's credible, he's trustworthy, he's reliable. He's someone who is standing out. And last time when we looked at the book of Daniel, we realized that what, when we set things apart for God, that he blesses, that God blesses what we set apart. And Daniel had set apart his life to be used by God and God blessed him and used him. And I love that he was a standout in this role. You know, I think that's a great example for you and I. It doesn't matter how ungodly your workplace is. It doesn't matter how ungodly your school might be or how your community might be. You can still be someone who stands out. You can be someone that's obvious that the blessing of God is on you. No matter how dark it might be around you, your light shines and it makes a difference. It stands out. I think that's what our call as Christians are, is to stand out and to be something different about us in our workplace and in our community, not just blending right in. And Daniel stood out. And who knows that when you stand out and you make a difference that hate is going to hate. And not everyone enjoyed seeing Daniel have his moment. 
they were jealous of him. They looked for fault, but they couldn't find any. So they came up with this trick. They came up with this idea. And this idea, it fed the king's ego. Said to the king, hey, we're going to make a law that people are only allowed to worship you for 30 days. How does that sound? Yeah, that sounds good. I want people worshipping me. So they signed the law and they go in there and it says, the king forbids anyone to pray to anyone other than him. Let's read how Daniel responds, verses 10 and 11. When Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and he knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open towards Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. Then the officials went together to Daniel's house and they found him praying and asking for God's help. Just pause for a moment. A few things I just want to take from these verses this morning. The first thing that strikes me when reading about Daniel and how he responds See, there's a law that's been passed that puts restrictions on his religious freedom. This law is a restrictive law. It's putting restrictions on what he's allowed to do and what he's not allowed to do. And how does he respond? What is his first response? His first response is to pray, not to protest. His first response is to go to God. He could have had the ear of the king. Listen to me. He was the most trusted official in all of the land. If he wanted to ring the king, he could have rung the king. Not on Ali's mobile because it wasn't working, but he could have got the king's attention. He could have gone to the king and said, King, this is the wrong law. You need to pass another law that counteracts this one. But he chose not to talk to that king. He chose to talk to another king. He chose to talk to the king of kings, the Lord of lords, because his first response When there was an injustice done, when there was something unfair done, when there was something that was wrong that was done, his first response was to go to God in prayer, not to go to the king in protest. And that needs to be our first response. He chose to go to God. And I'm not saying Christians shouldn't advocate governments about the law. I'm not saying that we shouldn't, you know, have the ear of our politicians and and be influential in that frame. But I am saying I think our first response should always be prayer, not protest. Daniel took it to God in prayer as it was his custom to do. That means it's something he did habitually. It's something he did all the time. He didn't change a thing. He didn't hide it. He didn't change the time. He didn't close the window. He didn't pray any more. And he didn't pray any less. It was his habit to pray three times a day. And so he continued to pray three times a day. He continued right on with what he'd already been doing. It was his habit to do it. Spurgeon says this about Daniel. He says, The king says he must not pray. But Daniel did not deliberate for a single minute. When we know our duty, our first thoughts are the best. If the thing be obviously right, never think about it a second time, but straight away go and do it. For Daniel, it wasn't a question, should I pray anymore? It was already been decided because that was something that he did. It was who he was. He was a person who prayed. His first response was to pray. Maybe prayer should be our first response. I don't know about you, but often this is what I do. I'll try and fix it. I'll try and come up with a solution. I'll brainstorm. I'll pull up on the resources that I have. And then when they don't work, then I go, oh, maybe I should pray about this. But maybe, just maybe, our response should be pray first God, give, you've given me skills, you've given me resources, you've given me abilities. Show me what to do to respond to this situation rather than the other way around. Not protest, not go into fix-it mode, but pray. Praying being the first and foremost thing that you do. The other thing that Spurgeon says about Daniel's prayer is this. 
It says, Daniel prayed and gave thanks. It ought to be as habitual as to thank as to ask. Prayer and praise should always go up to heaven arm in arm. Ali, you talked about this this morning. And when we did our prayer, Psalm 92 verse 1 to 2 says this, It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night. This is what Daniel did. He was in the habit of doing it day and night. He was in the habit of praising God. He was in the habit of giving thanks to God. It was his daily habit to give thanks to his God. Why do you think praise and thanks is so important? Do you think God needs it? Do you think God is in heaven needing your praise, needing your thanks? Do you think he's relying on it? He's waiting for it? Josh Davey hasn't thanked me yet today. It's five minutes to midday. What's going on? He's not up there like that. Psalm 8 verse 2 says this, Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. Because praise and thankfulness silences the voice of the enemy and even our kids can do it. It turns our heart and our attention towards God. Praise and thankfulness reminds us of what he has done in the past and what he is capable of doing right now. Here's the thing, church. I don't think God needs it. He definitely deserves it, but he doesn't need it. But I need it. I need to give praise to God. I need to give thanks to God because it realigns my heart and it realigns my thoughts on who God is and what he wants to do in my life. God does not need it. We need it. He deserves it, but we are the ones that need it. And again, not just in special circumstances, not just when we're crying out for something, but as a habit, as something that we do in our daily routine. You know, every time we pray, we should have an element where we're thanking God for at least one thing. That's what Daniel did. If you read his prayer, it says he went home and he gave thanks to his God. And it's only at the end of the prayer that he asked God for wisdom and help in what to do next. But he started with thanks. His prayer was a prayer of saying thank you to God. And you know, I think it's something we need to remind ourselves. I've said this before, but my three children, I've never had to teach them how to ask for something. You know, when they were two or three, I didn't have to say, now look, if you need food, you can just come to me and ask and I'll get you food if you want. That's okay. I didn't have to teach them that. They just, when they were hungry, they would ask for it. What I have had to teach my three children is to say thank you, is to have thankfulness and gratitude. And I think it's the same with you and I. We get this concept of God who wants to provide all of our needs and he does. And we can go to him and ask and it says we should do that. But we also need to learn the habit of saying thank you, the habit of gratefulness, the habit of praise, giving him glory for what he has already done and giving him glory for who he is. Let's be a church that not only asks God for things, but also thanks God for who he is. Let's be a church that sends up prayers of asking and prayers of thankfulness together. Let that be a habit of our life. Let's read what happens next. The jealous officials, guess what they did? They went and dobbed, dibba-dobbers. Verse 13, they told the king, that man Daniel, one of the captives from Judah, he's ignoring you and your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. Hearing this, the king was deeply troubled and he tried to think of a way to save Daniel. He spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of this predicament. King doesn't want Daniel in the lion's den. He knows he's been tricked. 
Verse 16, at last the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to him, may your God, who you serve so faithfully, may he rescue you. Verse 17, a stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of his nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all that night. Very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the Daniel's light, to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you serve so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth so that they would not hurt me. For I have been found innocent in this sight and I have not wronged you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den and not a scratch was found on him for he had trusted in his God. God protected Daniel. Not a scratch was found on him. But the thing I love about Daniel was that he was prepared to die for his faith. He was prepared to put his life on the line to continue in his faith. This is a very real situation in our world today not in Maitland not in Australia but in countries like Syria and North Korea and other parts of the Middle East there are people that put their life on the line to continue to be a Christian to have a faith in Jesus Christ knowing that that could cost them their very life and it's something that we need to never forget here in our comfortable lives that we have brothers and sisters that are right now today facing that opportunity, facing that threat over their life. And I think it's something that, again, we should be prayerful over. But it's also something that we shouldn't be surprised by. Since the very beginning until I think the very end, there will always be people that come against those that have a faith in Jesus Christ, that their lives are persecuted because of their faith. Spurgeon says this, that as a Christian, you should expect that the lion's den will be there and that at some stage you will be put into it. Now, you may not be put having your life on the line, but at some stage, there will be an inconvenience, there will be a cost, there will be something that comes against you because you decide to follow Jesus. There will be a cost. It's not just all, all good. There is always a cost. And Jesus said it to his disciples. He said this, I've told you so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. This wasn't in the marketing slogan for Christianity. If you become a Christian, you are going to have many trials. They kind of put this in the fine print. Well, I would put it in the fine print, but Jesus didn't. Jesus put it front and center and said, guess what? There's going to be a cost to following me. There's going to be trials that come your way. If you stand for me, just like people came against me, they're going to come against you. And for us, it may not be our lives, but there will be other things. And I don't know about you, but I'm always amazed at the strength of those that are willing to die for what they believe, just like Daniel was. In his story, though, Daniel didn't die, did he? God saved him. He spent the night with the lions and he didn't get a scratch on him. Just think about that for a moment. Who's got a pet? Who's got dogs? Anyone got dogs or cats? Just invite them into your bed for one night and see if you wake up the next morning without a scratch on you. There'll be something... Imagine sleeping in a den with the lions. Do you wonder what point in the night Daniel started to celebrate? If you're going to bed and it's like 8 o'clock and you go in with the lions, 
Nine o'clock, they haven't touched. Do you think, well, maybe they just ate, they eat dinner late? Maybe I need to keep praying. Ten o'clock, eleven o'clock. Do you think by midnight you might be, something's going on here. Do you reckon by like 2 a.m. he's cuddled up with Simba going, this is all sweet? <laughs> or do you think he's praying all night long? The thing that caught my attention about this, though, I find it very interesting. We aren't told any detail about what happened in the den. The detail is told the king is worried. The king didn't eat. The king didn't sleep. The king didn't do his normal routine. He's stressing out for Daniel, but we aren't given one bit of detail about what happened inside the den. And here's my thought. Daniel has this amazing victory in the den that night, but it's not until the next day that the victory is revealed. He has a victory in private in the dark of night that no one else knew about until the light of day when what happened in the dark was brought to the light. Luke eight seventeen says this, For all that is secret will eventually be brought into the open, and everything that is concealed will be brought to light and made known to all. Church, sometimes we have to win our battles in secret. Sometimes we have to go in the dark with no one else around, and it's just you and your battle. And it might be depression, it might be sickness, it might be thoughts, it might be all kinds of things that you are battling against and no one else knows. You might even be here this morning and that's exactly how you feel. That no one else knows what you are going through. No one else knows the darkness that you might be in. But you're fighting your battle in the dark. You're fighting your battle in the secret place where no one else knows what's going on. But eventually the light comes. Eventually the day will dawn. And what happened in the dark is revealed in the light of day. And people look at you and go, wow, you've had a great victory. But they didn't see any of the battle. They just see you on the podium at the end going, I made it through. And that's what happens in life. We fight battles that no one else knows about. We fight things and we're going on with stuff and no one knows what we're really going through. But there's a battle going on. But eventually it will come to light. The day will dawn. And I want to encourage you, if you are in the den right now, if you are in the dark and you might feel that you are all alone. We sing this song in church and it says, um, this is how I fight my battles. And I'm surrounded, I might feel like I'm all alone, but I'm surrounded. And I've forgotten the words completely right now. But it's talking about this element where you think that you're all alone. You think that it's just you and your darkness and it's just you and your lion's den. But you've got God with you. And you've got the angels with you and you've got a whole host of witnesses to call upon. And eventually what you are battling through in the dark will come out to light and people will look and go, how did you get through that? And just like Daniel will be able to say, hey, it was my God. See, what happens in the dark will eventually be revealed in the light. The other aspect of this is things that we do in the dark will eventually be brought into the light. Ever done something wrong and thought you'd gotten away with it? The year was 1990. Year six at Bonville Primary School had a substitute teacher that day. And a few of us thought it would be fun to swap names. I would answer to Damon Perkis and Damon Perkis would answer to Michael Lott. Sean Leeper would answer, answer to Daniel Jenkins and Daniel Jenkins would answer to Sean Leeper. This was the prank. We put it into play. We thought it would be one day, next day the teacher would be back and all would be good. Ha ha. The next day the substitute teacher turned up again. And again, all week we had the same substitute teacher. Sean Leeper and Daniel Jenkins owned up to their prank. Said, sorry, we, we played a prank on you. Michael Lott and David Perkis committed. 
we stuck to it. How long can this substitute teacher hang around for? Thursday came, school assembly, class awards. (laughs) Normally you want your name to be called out for an award, but not this week. Sure enough, Michael Lott gets an award and I go up to accept it. At this point, the substitute teacher eyeballs me and Damon, realising what we've done. Safe to say I didn't get to keep that award. (laughs) That award was taken from me. The lesson from this memory is that if you swap names with someone, pick someone who isn't a well-behaved A-grade student like Damon was. Pick someone who has no hope of getting a class award and you will get away with it. (laughs) We thought we could get away with it. We thought it was just our little joke and we were brought... It was brought to the light in front of the whole school what we had done. Lucy Lott, don't you ever try that, ever. Learn from your father's mistakes. But in life, we can do things in the dark. We can do things in private and we think we've gotten away with it. But this scripture says that whatever happens in the dark will eventually be revealed in the light. And all of us can think of way too many politicians, way too many sports stars, way too many pastors that look like they had it all together, that look like they were just, you know, admirable, look up to, and then what happened in the dark is brought into the light of day, and you go, heck, what was going on in their life? And it's a sobering reminder for all of us that we need to be aware that what happens in the dark will also be revealed in the light of day. The other side of this is sometimes we do really good things in the dark, in the hiding place, and no one sees it, no one recognises it. That can be really annoying. You do something, I remember as a kid, we had five kids in our family, and you'd do a job to help out. On that rare occasion, you would do something without being asked to do it, and no one would see it, and no one would recognise it, and you'd go, what was the point of that? Didn't get any recognition for that little task. Maybe a little issue there with my motives, but the point is this though, eventually everything will be revealed. Eventually the truth comes out. And that's why it's so important to be the same person in public as we are in private. To have the same standards, the same morals, no matter who you are with or where you are at, you are the same person. Daniel was the same person in the palace as he was in his home. He was the same person in his home as he was in the lion's den. He was the same person. He didn't change who he was depending on what was going on around him. He had the same integrity, the same call on God, the same person, and God protected him and looked after him. Let's read how this chapter finishes and then we're going to wind up. 6 verse 25. King Darius sent his message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed and his rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the powers of the lion. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Daniel was, became in the king's court under King Nebuchadnezzar. Here he's tested under King Darius, and then it says he goes on to serve the next king. He served three kings. That's how of a standout he was. He wasn't just one king's favorite, but he stood out and was useful in three different governments, three different kingdoms. Daniel was rewarded here on earth for his devotion to God. 
He set his life apart and he was prepared to be the same person no matter what was going on. And there is a reward that comes to follow those, there is a reward that comes to those who follow God no matter what the cost, no matter what the circumstance, whether they're in the palace or whether they're in the den, they still follow God. Matthew 19 says this, Everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. You know, though, that not all those who follow God receive their reward in this lifetime. Hebrews 11, which is the chapter full of great examples of men and women of faith, finishes in this interesting way. Verses 39, it says this, All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us. I believe there is a reward and there is a mark on your life when you set your, part, your life apart for God. Like we see in Daniel, we see the favor of God upon his life. It's as clear as day. You can see God's protection, God's favor, and God's blessing on his life. But I also know that as followers of Jesus Christ, as people that have decided to give our life to God, to following him, to being set apart for him, that our true reward, our true everything that God has promised, we will not receive on this earth, but will receive in heaven. Our full promise in God is that eternity in heaven where we will see the fullness of God. It says that we will see God face to face and all will be revealed. So yes, there is reward. Yes, there is blessing. Yes, there is favor that comes on our life now. But we have to remember that God has something better in mind for us, better than what we can ever experience here on this earth. And that something better is in heaven when we spend our eternity with him. Can I have the creative team to come up? We're going to finish this morning. We're going to go out and spend some time around the table, eat some food, have some connection, talk, find out what's going on in each other's world. But as we finish this morning, I want us to do a few things. We're going to pray in a moment. And I want to pray for for two different groups of people. I want to pray for those that I referred to earlier that feel that they're in that lion's den. You might feel that you're all alone. You might feel that it's just you and you're facing a battle. You're facing a real threat, something that's really causing you grief and distress in your life. And you fail that you're in the den. This morning, we want to pray for you that God will give you the strength, the wisdom, the courage to continue to fight your battle in the dark so that you can stand one day in the light and say, look what God did for me in my life, that you would have the strength to fight your battle. The other thing I felt to remind us to do this morning is some of us need to get back in the habit of giving thanks to God. Some of us need to remind ourselves of that daily habit of saying, God, I thank you. And it starts by today even just thinking of just one thing right now that you could be thankful for. Just pausing in this service and going, God, I'm thankful for this one aspect of my life. It may not be perfect. It may not be complete. But I choose to give you thanks for that right now. And the final thing for this morning is for anyone that is here that has never made a decision to follow Jesus, never made a decision like Daniel had to be a follower of God, someone that lived for God, someone that didn't care about what was going on around them. They just chose that, you know what, I have decided to follow Jesus. I am a follower of God and that is my life. And you're believing for that eternal life. You're believing for that gift of salvation that says there's something more 
than what this life has to offer. There's something more than just the here and now, but there is a thing called eternity. And I know that by putting my faith and my hope in Jesus Christ, by believing what this book says about him, I can have eternal life and my future can be secured knowing who God is, knowing the plan he has for my life and knowing that one day I get to spend eternity with him in heaven.